Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So as um, we said just before uh, the break uh, about this movie that just opened up, um, that's, I don't know how long the run is going to be. Uh, it will be available at some point through DVD or download. Right now, uh, it's at the Elmwood here. It's at the Rafael in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, Marin, uh, called Being Nobody. And a friend of mine, uh, gave me a heads up. Hey, there's this movie coming, Being Nobody, uh, about Ramdas. And I knew I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it opening night, uh, Friday. And uh, since uh, Jane, my wife, uh, couldn't come with me on Friday, uh, I, I promised, okay, I'll see it twice, uh, no matter how, how, Good or bad it is, uh, but I'll see it with you too. And I really was delighted that we got to see it twice. Uh, I got to see it twice. Because uh, it's great. It's really great. My own personal review of five stars. Um, and I wanted to talk about it as a kind of opening to the the topic of how we can be inspired by others and what we receive, what is awakened in us, um, gets passed on through us. And for me, if you've come here over time, you know that Ramdas uh, was one of my main inspirations was my first main inspiration in the my spiritual journey, so to speak, um, as was true of many, many people my age, um, with uh, the book Be Here Now. And uh, some of you have heard some, I have many, many, many Ramdas stories, So, um, uh, but the ones that I might, come up with, uh, um, maybe some of you have heard, but I'll just share a couple. Um, but seeing that movie, as Ernie said, um, there's vintage Ramdas from the 60s and 70s, really. Um, and Be Here Now came out in 1971. Um, and through the, those earlier years and his, um, the, the guy who made it, this guy, Jamie Cato, uh, had some live, uh, have some recent footage of interviewing him over quite some time in, uh, in the last year, I guess, or last couple of years, um, and so it, you see the original, the early Ramdas, and who he is now. And the name of it is Becoming Nobody, and it's a perfect name for it, which I'll kind of uh, 
explain in the moment. So, uh, and anybody not know who Ramdas is? Good. So, who is it? Where is the hand? Oh, great. You're in for a treat. So, uh, but I'll just give a little bit of a background. So, he, Ramdas, known as Richard Alpert, uh, was at Harvard with Timothy Leary. Uh, were, were the two people that, uh, two professors that ever were thrown out of Harvard, uh, when they, um, were getting into a lot of psychedelics. Timothy Leary is the guy who said, turn on, tune, tune in, turn on, and turn on, tune in, and drop out. And, um, he was a psychedelic explorer. And then, after a number of years of doing lots and lots of psychedelics, uh, as he said, he would always always came down. That was the problem. And then he went to India and met his guru, who has been instrumental in my life, uh, named Ninkaroli Baba, or Maharaji is another uh, name that he goes by, or it went by. And if you're if you're familiar with Krishna Das. Anybody like Krishnadas, Krishnadas fan, or Jayutal? Uh, also, they are both devotees of Maharaji. Um, and Ramdas wrote this book called "Be Here Now." Remember, be here now, which changed my life and many, 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 many people. Uh, besides me. Um, and I highly recommend it. Um, and I went out to uh, Naropa Institute in 1974, the first summer at Naropa Institute, which is now Naropa University. Um, and because Ramdas was going to be there, and it was like this big spiritual summer camp uh, with Ramdas speaking Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche speaking Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, or one or the other of uh, those three times. Uh, and Chogyam Trungpa uh, really brought, um, was instrumental in bringing Buddhism to, um, to the West, along with uh, Suzuki Roshi and D.T. Suzuki. Um, and Ramdas is was coming from a Hindu background and Trungpa Rinpoche was Buddhist and there would be like this tennis match every or ping pong uh, match uh, when one night one would say something about you don't exist and there's no soul there, there there's no self and Ramdas would talk about the soul and about how you know everything is Atman and they go back and forth like that. Uh, and it was amazing. And when I went out to uh, that spiritual summer camp, uh, I, I had been carrying Be Here Now like a Bible. That was in 1974. I'd been carrying it like a Bible for three years. Or, uh, you know, you ever, I'm sure you have a book that has been your go-to book that whenever you're feeling in need of inspiration, you pick it up, and wherever you open, that's the right 
page. How many people have had books like that? Well, let's hear a couple of books. What what is what is what's been your book's inspiration? Course in Miracles. Fabulous. What else? What is it? Which one? Alan Watts, the book uh, against the taboo of knowing yourself, or uh, the book, Alan Watts, the book. Alan Watts is really good. The Bible, the good book. Yeah, good one. What else? Sharon Salzberg, Heart as Wide as the World, a wonderful book. Yeah. What else? Anyone? Yeah. Say again. Ah, Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Great teacher. Yeah. A Path with Heart by Jack Cornfield. Yes. Any others? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Awakening Joy by James Barris. <laughs> Ah, so happy to hear that. Thank you. Yes. And was it Wendy in the back? When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Yes. So this is, this is great because this is kind of what I'm pointing to. And perhaps if you found a book like that, you had the experience that I had when I first read Be Here Now. Actually, I first read Be Here Now. It's kind of, it, it comes in, there's three different sections to it. The first one is the white pages and kind of autobiographical short section of his journey. And I read it and it's just fascinating and it blew my mind. And then it sat on my night table for maybe about four or five months before I somehow picked up the book again and read the middle pages because the middle pages are thick are there's a, a a substantial part of the book is the middle pages which is the dharma rap how many people have read be here now here okay a, f- a, f- a number but a number haven't get it so there it was lying on my you ever have that when when it's when it's time for you to get your mind blown, that's the right time. And after four or five months, I picked up, oh yeah, I really should see what else is in there. And I open up, it's kind of like uh, lengthwise like this. And I read it. And something happened when I did that that energy of Neem Karoli Baba, uh, which Ramdas channeled, just leaked out of the pages into my heart, and in a way that was transformative. I didn't feel alone anymore. Um, certainly, going through the sixties, and 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 the Beatles were my other lineage. That made everybody feel connected and going through the 60s and peace signs, there was some kind of connection that I wasn't alone. But this was on a whole different level, the spiritual um, beginning of awakening. 
And as I said, I carried it around like a Bible. Uh, whenever I get confused or lost, you know, I, I don't have my original book. I loaned it to somebody. It was so, you know, it was still in one piece, but barely. Um, and uh, and then I, uh, in 1974, went to uh, uh, Naropa, and part of it, I went out there because he was there, and I asked him, uh, among other things, I could I could get an interview. Uh, he was seeing people, and I asked for an interview, and I asked him, among other things, about meditation, and um, I had been doing TM, Transcendental Meditation, because... Uh, Mahara, uh, uh, the Beatles were into it, and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and if the Beatles were into it, if it was good enough for John Lennon, it was good enough for me. And uh, I was doing that for a few years, and I asked him about meditation, and he said, go check this guy Joseph Goldstein out. He's pretty good. And the next day, I was in Joseph's class, which then really... Uh, changed my life in the next dimension because there I was um, hearing Buddha Dharma for the first time. Um, so Ramdas in those days, and you can see the movie and listen to uh, uh, talks or probably see some on YouTube. He had a gift. Uh, Siddhi, as they say. The word Siddhi is S-I-D-D-H-I, which is a, uh, a word in, in Hindu that means a kind of spiritual power. In Sanskrit, I guess it is. Spiritual power. And he had the Siddhi of communication. Funny, mesmerizing, Brilliant and from the heart. And you just, it was the greatest entertainment there was. It was like you were getting entertained by, uh, by the Buddha, only a really funny Buddha. Um, and there he was. And Be Here Now was kind of like the channel of his talks. Um, that were put into this book. And that's what leapt out of the pages into my heart. Um, now, the thing is that when you heard Ramdas or when you read the book, Be Here Now, you thought, oh, that's who he is, this incredibly enlightened being. And the thing is, he could get out of the way and have this be a channel for that brilliant expression of Dharma that Maharaji was. But he was also very human. And I studied with Ramdas for um, a year in New York in 1975 in this very small invitation-only class. Um, and I got to know him over time. And he was both 
amazingly inspiring and brilliant and was very real about his humanness. So that's that was always the appeal as well. He didn't set himself up as some kind of enlightened being. And in fact, he could be very curmudgeon-y. He says this in the in the in, in the movie and I saw it. Um so it was kind of amazing how you could be both that brilliant and clean and then also very human. Uh, the, the, I'll give you an example. Uh, the first time when I went into uh, to the the first class in this invitation only class, um, he was. Um, this is a Hindu class, and he knew that I was a Buddhist, right? And uh, I said, I don't know if I can handle all these mala beads and Sri Ram, J Ram, and chanting and stuff. Because just just give me my breath and give me vipassana and give me the the clean Buddhist teachings. Um, and um, it seemed a little sloppy to me, you know. Sri Ram, J Ram, J J Ram, you know. But there was Maharaji that somehow I, I couldn't figure it out and open my heart like that. And the first class, it was about 35 people in the class. And one other person in the class was coming from a Buddhist background. And he got into this, this uh, dialogue with Ramdas saying also his kind of questions about Hinduism and all. And he went back and forth with him. And in the middle of this dialogue, he turned to me and he said, he's the only friend you have in this class. And then five minutes later, he kicked him out. Sorry, you don't belong here. And I thought, oh my God, what did I get myself into? You know, It was a trip. But the fact that he always was so honest about his humanness was the thing that that always got to me. I mean, most of the time he was just brilliant and this embodiment of love. But when you see, they say you should always live like three valleys and three mountains away from your guru in uh, in Tibetan. Uh, and over the course of the years, he just became lighter and lighter and lighter. If you hear his old talks, he talks about how he doesn't like people. And Maharaji said, say the truth and don't get angry. And he said, but Maharaji, I get, I'm angry. He said, say the truth and don't get it. But the truth is I'm angry. I hate everybody here. Say the truth, be ang- uh, and and love. Oh, say the truth and love everyone. That's that's it. Love everyone and say the truth. But I don't love everyone. Love everyone and say the truth. And anyway, over the course of these of this time, he became more and more who he aspired to be. And in 1997, he had a stroke a massive stroke that for quite some time 
he was out of commission and couldn't really, he, he speaks very, very haltingly. Uh, there's a lot of space. And when he first, after the stroke, when he first had it, he was very bereft. He said, I lost my, my gift. And he had to go through um, a period of real grieving, losing that. But what has happened over these years is that the words aren't as silver-tongued, but the heart is just more and more and more who he really is. So the the title of the movie, Becoming Nobody, is really pointing to the fact that he became less and less in the way and more and more Maharaji coming through him, not just when he gives a talk, but this is who he is. And I've spent time with him since. He's been my uh, mentor. He was the one who, I, when I first came out here to uh, was invited to uh, to live out here in, in California, the friend, and I was invited to give a class on uh, on Buddhism. And I asked Joseph Goldstein and Ramdas what they thought. Um, and Joseph said, "Yeah, it's okay. Better you than him." The the other guy who was supposed to be teaching it, he said, "Yeah, you you teach it." And then I asked Ramdas, and he said, "Yeah." Teach it and then give them a um, an experience of a meditation retreat. Do let them do a weekend. I said, really? He said, yeah, you can do it. I'd already sat uh, a three month retreat and quite a few retreats. He said, yeah, give them an experience. So he was the one who said, you go teach and teach intensive uh, retreat. So anyway, I've maintained a connection with him over all of these years, and I have visited him in Hawaii a few times. He lives in Maui, and we've had some, just had a Skype conversation with him a couple of months ago. And he is this real being of love and light. And it's been just an amazing journey that everyone who's who knows him has been on as well to see how he lost his gift of his tongue, but his heart just became more and more channeling the love. And when you're with him and there's silence, you just meditate. And he's not in any hurry at all. Um, so anyway, I wanted to share some some other things. So... He has been, for me, one of my main inspirations, um, along with a few, a couple of other people. My father, who I, I dedicate the book to uh, my father and Neem Karoli Baba and uh, another teacher, Punjaji, and my wife, Jane. And all of these people have impacted me 
just like the Course in Miracles or Alan Watts or Sharon Salzberg or some teacher has touched you in a way that's awakened something that you might not have even known was there. But somehow it touched you and opened you up to other dimensions of yourself. And if you're on the spiritual journey that you can't ignore, that you can't say, oh, well, that's, that's something I do on, you know, Sundays when I go to church or, uh, when I go to, uh, you know, come on Thursday night, whatever. But for some of us, it's like, this is, this is the center of, of one's life. And if that's so, where you've been so, uh, there's been something that's awakened in you, then it doesn't stop there. It gets passed on through you. It can't help but get passed on through you. Because just your being and your commitment to the truth and to opening your heart, even if you're not a saint like Ramdas all of those years, just being human, there's something else that from time to time comes through. Your love, your caring, your commitment to the truth. All the beautiful qualities that you've been given in this lifetime they're waiting to be awakened and not only does it feel good from the inside, but it is your gift to the world. We are inspired by heroes. We all have our heroes. Some people's heroes, some people are inspired by power or wealth or other things. And some of us are inspired by goodness. And if we're inspired by goodness, I call it amazing grace or good karma. Because you don't have to be inspired by goodness as your main inspiration. You can be inspired, as we know, by lots of other things. But there's this seed of awakening that's in, in, I think, in all of us that sometimes can be awakened and then there's no turning back. You're facing in the right direction. And when that happens, you just have to keep on facing in the right direction and letting all that goodness shine through, and it can't help but touch others. For me, when I was young, Gandhi was one of my main heroes. I had three heroes. I write about this in the in the book. Gandhi, Fiorello LaGuardia, who was a really great mayor of New York, and when I saw the play Fiorello in on Broadway when I was a little kid, and there he he was this really beautiful human being that was just good. 
and Lou Gehrig. I was a big baseball fan, you know, and Lou Gehrig, there was something about his constancy and quietness and just steadfastness that inspired me. But just remember who has inspired you. In fact, let's just take a moment, go inside and recall who's really inspired you in your life. Maybe your early heroes or later heroes who's helped awaken that goodness in you. And when you think about them, get in touch with the qualities that touched you about them. Just tuning into the essence of who they are that somehow has impacted you. What values have touched you that they embody? Okay, can open our eyes and again, let's just hear from like this from uh, from a few people uh, a hero, and what about them inspired you? We could use the mic for this. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, hang on, because it'll be. Uh, be easier for me to hear and to record. Okay, this close might, to your mouth. This might sound like a joke, but it's not. Um, Oprah. Oprah. And I thought um, because she's a spiritual seeker and she's always trying. I don't. I don't necessarily think of her as someone who uh, sticks with something and really goes all the way deep. But I love that she just keeps on trying and and is endlessly curious about other people. Um, so that's mm, beautiful. Oprah. By the way has had a big impact on the mindfulness movement, big time, you know, and, uh, and bringing Eckhart Tolle and uh, other, uh, other great spiritual teachers on. She's had a huge impact. She's good. I like it. Who else? Over here. Um, Ed Snowden. Ed Snowden. Uh, because, uh, and all, all the people who helped me, all the people who helped him to, to get the, his message out, like Glenn Greenwald and. And what about him inspired you? I think it's commitment to the truth, to the point where they are willing to sacrifice almost their life for, I, uh, for speaking, for, for telling truth to the power. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And courage, too. And just yeah. fearlessness. Yeah. It was a great movie. What was the movie uh, about him? I saw it. Citizen uh, Five, maybe? C- Citizen, Citizen Five? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. He's good. He inspires me, too. Who else? No inspiration here? Who else inspires you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Linda. Real close. Um, I have a lot of uh, people that have, but my mother-in-law, Marilyn, um, she just, 
her heart was just open always. She just loved everybody. And I didn't, I didn't see her judging. I just felt, you know, in her presence, uh, completely accepted as I was. And, um, I saw her do that with everyone. And when she died at 93, uh, two years ago, a lot of people came to honor her. Uh, because they were so touched by her. And so that's a legacy that I um, have talked with my family and my children about. Um, what is it? What can we do uh, to honor Marilyn? Uh, we can, uh, we can pass this on. Mm. She had, she had gotten it from her father. It was very clear. She talked about him a lot and uh, how playful and joyful and caring and just accepting he was. So mm, beautiful, yes, yeah, and thank you. People in our lives, whether it's a, a grandmother or a, an aunt or a, a teacher or a friend, doesn't have to be famous people. And often, it's the people that we get that um, live transmission from. And she didn't. She didn't take things um, too seriously, including herself when she was. Uh, diagnosed that she was going to die she would do this little thing the violin (laughs) she would do a mini violin Uh Uh (laughs) Uh, here right in front of you right uh was it anya yeah here you go real close to your mouth uh tina meltzer um she was my singing teacher in about first grade um, and I think it was pretty cool that she let us sing, um, labor union songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it was, that's what I like is that, you know, we were young and, you know, you think, oh, that's an adult song, but they were very peppy and strong and exciting. And she let, she taught, taught us to mm-hmm. have that inspiration and beautiful. Happen, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe uh, one more, and then we'll go right behind you. Real close. Yeah. I'd say um, my first kind of, I suppose, spiritual teacher or guide is uh, Charlie Johnson, who um, is local around here, and he taught me in a um, in a. Um, mindfulness-based stress reduction class and what i took from that was his presence was just his own rhythm and he walked and he spoke with the clear presence but also this this calmness and he wasn't in a rush to go anywhere or get to his point at all and that really helped me learn to slow myself down because my mind was just moving so fast and that helped me understand who I was and what was going on inside me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And that's how it works. We just uh, are inspired and, and model something happens that it awakens and say, that's good. That really touches me. That really inspires me. And somehow there's something that wants to be like that, emulate that. So I wanted to do a, a little bit of a, a practice with you around this. 
I think I'll, I'll just set it up first with um, sharing with you a, a, a meditative experience that 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 uh, first uh, tuned me into this way of doing this practice. Um, there was a, a movie um, from 1939 called. Uh, actually, there have been a few a few remakes of it since. But the movie out of the uh, wonderful book uh, by James Hilton. Good, I think it was James Hilton. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Anybody ever see Goodbye, Mr. Chips? And and the there's been some recent ones, but the movie Goodbye, Mr. Chips. The 1939 version, the um, the actor won the uh, Academy Award. He probably, very few people have heard of him. Robert Donat, D-O-N-A-T. And in this version, when I saw it, I just have to think about it, and I start to kind of choke up. At the end, good, Mr. Chips was a school teacher, and uh, at the end of the movie. It's in black and white, of course, 1939. Um, as Mr. Chips is uh, nearing the end of his life, there's this sequence of all the students over the 60 or so years. You, you see him when he's first become a teacher all the way to the end. And all the students you see in this kind of like... Uh, uh, an infinite regression. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. From the earliest ones to the more recent ones. So, yeah. And just seeing that scene, it has played so so much in my life about how the the legacy that we can leave in our life and all the people that we can touch. And I uh, was sitting on a retreat and I had that scene play in my mind thinking about my benefactors and their benefactors and their benefactors, and back and back and back, and seeing who does any of this belong to, any of this goodness. It doesn't belong to anyone. It's just passed on, just like our generations of neuroses are passed on too, although mindfulness can break that. But the generations of goodness get passed on, just like the lineage of the Buddha from 2,500 years ago has come down to us, or Jesus, or other great spiritual teachers. They get passed on, or Gandhi. You know, that inspiration keeps on being transmitted, received, and passed on. So I thought that we could do uh, this uh, loving-kindness practice for benefactor that I've found very uh, helpful for me since, uh, since opening to that experience about our benefactors. If you know the loving-kindness practice, 
you do loving kindness. You first start towards yourself, then you bring in a benefactor, and then you move to a dear friend, and then a neutral person, and then a difficult person, and then all beings. But the benefactor is somebody who it's easy to feel gratitude for and as a way to open your heart. So I wanted to try uh, share with you this variation of this benefactor um, practice. So I invite you to sit up for a moment. And first, think of one person who you could really say has been a benefactor for you, who's enriched your life, believed in you, perhaps, or inspired you, maybe not somebody who you knew personally, who's helped awaken the good in you through their courage or their love or their clarity or their kindness or whatever, and just bring them to mind. Just, if you can, have an image of them that really helps you connect with their essence. Just feeling how they, their essence has impacted you. Maybe a teacher, a school teacher, or mentor. or friend who's inspired you and how have they touched you? And first, next, feel that transmission of what they have given to you. That beautiful energy, the love or the courage or the whatever it is how it's helped awaken those qualities in you. And with the classical practice, just sending them some thoughts of gratitude and love. Thank you. May you know how Grateful I am. Whether or not they're still on this plane, uh, just send them that appreciative energy. And know that they've awakened something really beautiful in you. And now, whether or not you know who their benefactors have been, just envision how someone or others have impacted them and shared their love or courage or wisdom and passed on to them 
what you received through this being. And appreciate them, whether or not you know who they were. Your grand benefactor. And then if you can, just envision generations, your great grand benefactor. Benefactors, probably a number of people have touched them. And great, great, and so on. And just see generations of consciousness and goodness that were passed on through those beings all the way from your benefactor to you. Just getting in touch with the lineage of goodness. And now as you reflect on this, just realize you've had probably numerous benefactors, teachers, inspirations. So you might just reflect on, bring a couple more in there. Who else comes to mind and what you received from them? each one having a unique impact on you. Maybe a teacher from school, or a relative, or an inspiration. You've been impacted by a number of people, probably, in very beautiful ways. And of course, each of those has had their own benefactors as well. So if you can just envision the generations of goodness from all of those beings passed on from one generation to another to another, Until finally, a synthesis, a synergy through you. How many lineages of goodness you've been fortunate to be a part of.
And as you reflect on all of this that you've received, realize that it doesn't stop with you. That you, in your own way, impact everyone in your life. Those close to you and those perhaps that you just meet through work or your neighborhood or in other ways. But just see whatever the lineages that you've received are passed on. And perhaps there have been a few people who look up to you or who you've been kind to, who you've touched in a unique way. Let yourself feel good about that. Maybe your children or younger people or other friends who really are so grateful you're in their life. And of course, it doesn't stop with them as well. So seeing all the people that they touch, all the beings that they touch, that will pass on your legacy. Hopefully for many generations to come. Your descendants, benefactor descendants, one, two, three, five generations, seven generations as the Native Americans, indigenous people say. All the people that you will impact, whether or not you realize it, And just reflecting, who does this belong to? Who does all this goodness belong to? Can anyone take ownership of it? I don't think so. You've been on the receiving end, and it passes through you, and is passed on and on and on. What an amazing lineage of goodwill that you're a part of. And seeing the Buddhist concept, this selfless nature of all of this goodness, it's just love finding itself or kindness or wisdom or awareness or whatever you want to call it, consciousness, just awakening itself. Not belonging to anyone. And yet, 
awakening each of us in its own way. And giving gratitude to those who you've received and blessings to those who will receive. Keeping in mind that what you do counts in this world. passing on all those beautiful qualities in a joyful journey. So we'll close since it's time to close with a One last loving kindness. I'll just include uh, Sarah, whose name was brought into the circle. Holding her as she's going through um, her experience with cancer. And all the All the people who you want to include in your goodwill, may all find inner peace and know the highest happiness. And may all of our caring and goodness ripple out and be a benefit to all beings and to this planet that uh, so needs our caring and love. Okay, thank you very much. And yeah, it might be a good way to uh, to go through your your week, just realizing how much you touch everybody that you meet, the same way that you're affected as well. So share your love well. Okay, have a good week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.